You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the podcast special episode. Hello, and welcome to Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency, the podcast. PUT is a not-for-profit industry watchdog organization dedicated to exposing the truth about the shady, abusive practices of pharmacy benefit managers and how they affect American patients, healthcare providers, and taxpayers. On the PUTcast, we'll talk to pharmacy industry experts, influencers, and patients, always with the goal of bringing the truth, transparency, and solutions to America's prescription drug affordability crisis. This is the Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency annual summit. 2021, featuring highlights of the meeting on September 17th and 18th. Mr. Johnny Meyer from Pharmacana, I'm so glad that you got to be part of the podcast, and uh, we're celebrating the 2021 event here in Orlando, Florida, uh, with the annual event with Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency. Welcome, Johnny. Thank you. Thank you, Todd. So tell us why you're supporting um, PUT. What it, why is Pharmacana here? So Pharmacana is a CBD line that was actually started in 2016 in our own independent pharmacy. So my wife and I also own independent pharmacies down in South Florida, Wellington specifically. Um, and we grew this business out of our store. Now we're in over 4,000 locations across the country. And we do a lot with... Uh, with the subgroup of putt called SPAR that they were mentioning earlier. So Dawn Butterfield is a huge advocate for our brand. She brought a she brought Pharmacana in as soon as we had started the, the line. She uh, early adopter advocate for us and we're a part of SPAR for our pharmacy side of things. So we do a lot of um, advocacy for independent pharmacies such as us. So it just makes sense for us to be a part of this uh, with Pharmacana. And what I'd like to also do, and I'm going to talk to Don a little bit more about this, is have a admin fee for every pharmacy out there that buys Pharmacana CBD for their store, have a portion of those proceeds go back to Putt and Spar. That's awesome. So I'm going to start that as soon as we get back home. Let me back up to CBD oil for a second. Sure. I cringe when I think of CBD oil, especially in the gas station and in some of these, you know, Walmart stores or something. If I see if I see pharmacists backing CBD, it's a sigh of relief. It makes me realize these are the medication experts. These are the people that went to school for breakdown of medications in our body, drug-drug interactions, um, allergies. What better individual? I can't think of any better individual in our healthcare scope of of caring for patients. I'm not talking about the scientist. I'm not talking about the horticulturist or anything like that. I'm really talking about the administrator and the medication manager with regards to CBD. That's what that's what initially impressed me about Pharmacana. Can you kind of expand upon that whole concept Absolutely. of running this by pharmacists? 100%. So you actually touched on something that's very important and, and a differentiator for us in our industry. We only sell to pharmacists and physicians. Okay. So... The, the, the whole gas station concept or vape shop, head shop, um, a lot of our competitors will sell to vape shops, head shops. I've seen it in restaurants and you name it, I've seen it, uh, which we believe that CBD oil is a medication. Yep. Um, can't be labeled as a medication, but 
we see it as that. So when my wife and I started this company, we wanted to make sure we kept that, that premium level of, uh, of benefit for our patients and for the other pharmacies that are selling our product. So we manufacture it the pharmaceutical way, whereas there are some competitors competitors out there that are making this in bathtubs, you know, or in their garage. We do everything uh, with third-party testing three times for the plant itself, the raw ingredient, and then the actual finished product. Um, so we have COAs on everything. We always have, even though this wasn't a requirement, we kind of helped write the law for what uh, CBD oils are required to have now. Uh, we put QR codes on our products ever since the beginning. So we kind of, we kind of were the pioneers in this industry, but you know, just like you mentioned, now you see it in all these different places, which we we feel adamantly that that's that's a wrong thing to do because, like you just mentioned, with drug drug interactions, are you going to ask the guy at Seven Eleven, hey, what is this going to do if I'm on warfarin? Right. You know, well, it's going to make you bleed out if you take too much of it and cut yourself. But uh, the, yeah. the kid at Seven Eleven is not going to know that. So we we feel like part of the appropriate management of any disease state or any any drug or any medication, nutraceutical, what have you, requires counseling. CBD is no different. Absolutely. Well, Johnny, we're excited about you being part of this organization and supporting PUT. I'd like you to come back to the network to really give us a deeper education. There's so many pharmacists out there that would like more education in the realm of CBD and, and the proper application, the proper administration, the proper timing. And then obviously let's dig down into disease states that this best supports. Absolutely. I'd love to have my wife actually join that yeah. because she's the, uh, the farm D with the credentials and she's the brains behind it. Excellent. So, Thank right. you. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate it. Thank you, Brady. Give a shout out and a thank you to American Pharmacies for supporting Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency. We are here with Miguel Rodriguez. He's the general counsel for American Pharmacies. Welcome, Miguel. Thanks for having me. Appreciate being here. You're very welcome. So, what, what's in, what's interest? What's the interest in supporting Punt? Why, why is your organization here? Well, American Pharmacies were a member-owned buying cooperative, so all of our members are independent pharmacy owners from across the country. Our board is made up of independent pharmacy owners, and they really have the business of independent pharmacy at their forefront of their minds. And so they've, uh, part of my role and what they've tasked me with is to make sure that I'm doing what I can do to advocate for independent pharmacy owners wherever we can. And so we've taken a lot of legislative action in Texas, New Mexico, and elsewhere. And we've seen and crossed paths with PUT in many of these places. And they've been a huge supporter of independent pharmacy. Uh, they have a very vocal organization. They get the word out, and they have a, a meaningful organization that helps us do what we do, what we like doing. And so we've actually found ways to partner with them. Uh, we were part of a coalition that uh, Monique Whitney built uh, for some legislation in Arizona, and we were supporting them on some of the work they're doing with ALEC on crafting a model bill. And we just have a lot of aligned interests. Um, they're definitely, this event is a fantastic event that they put together this summit of bringing leaders in the pharmacy advocacy world from all over the country, sharing ideas, uh, cross-pollinating, and just really having, having a lot of fun together um, and thinking of our, our next uh, plans for the upcoming legislative sessions across the country. So it's a great event. So this is a tough ball question versus a softball question. Okay, so uh, here we go. So um, buying groups have really been critical in the success of independent pharmacy. 
I actually ran a small buying group between 2013, 2016, um, really understood the importance of the collective as well as the support that the groups put together. Pharmacy is in a drastic state of transformation right now. We see the roles of pharmacists changing. They're now doing more cons consultative services. They're almost running their, um, their, their, their businesses like practices instead of just a store. Mm -hmm. What factors and what is the importance of the, f the pharmacy buying group of the future versus the pharmacy buying group of 20 years ago? Well, I think American Pharmacies is trying to fill that role uh, as, as something that adapts and changes and pushes uh, things to the next level. Um, as I said before, our organization is focused on the business of independent pharmacy, and so we are very in touch with what our members are doing to uh, continue to push their own businesses to the next level. Um, the, I like to think of our members as, as not just small business owners, but entrepreneurs, because yep. they are getting into new product areas. Uh, they're, they're finding niche practices to make uh, additional uh, revenue in. And they're, they're really battling uh, every day, not just to defend uh, what they have, but to find new ways to do, to do business and to practice in new areas. Our organization as a buying group tries to support what they do. One of the things we've done, for example, is uh, we've started a health plan for our members. So our, our pharmacy owner members, they need to offer health insurance to their employees. As a single small business, it's very difficult for them to get the best rates. So we decided, hey, let's figure out a way to start a group health plan. And currently we have uh, 50 independent pharmacy owners from across the country that have joined this health plan. We have uh, over 400, I'm sorry, 500 covered lives in the plan. And uh, it's been in operation for three years. And that's just one example of, of us trying to figure out a way to uh, provide support to the business owners of independent pharmacies. So we have a RX Legacy program where we try to uh, match independent pharmacy sellers with independent pharmacy buyers. So when someone's uh, about ready to uh, sell their pharmacy, it will not be sold to a chain, but will be sold to another independent pharmacy owner. So we promote that as well. Uh, we're, we're just really trying to, to um, continually think of different ways that we as a group and the resources we, we can bring to bear as a uh, buying cooperative, we can use that um, broad base of support to think of new avenues to help uh, independent pharmacy owners. Miguel, I want to thank you for supporting PUT and thank you for being on the post-conference show and we hope to see you back in 2022. I'd love to be here. I can't wait. Hey, we're here with Carl Schuschler, um, keynote speaker here at the PUT annual event, Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency here in Orlando, Florida. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Carl. Yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, Todd. It's great to be here. So you are something a little different and unique with this conference because you understand the larger aspect of healthcare benefits more than just the PBM. Can you describe what Mitigate Partners is all about? Yeah, Mitigate Partners is a consortium of 31 different employee benefit advisor advisory firms across the country stretching from Maine to Nevada. And everyone is independent. They own their own shop. Some of them are with larger organizations. But 
We affiliate together so that we can share ideas. We believe one plus one equals 20, and we feel that's the best way to go. And by doing that, we also pull together for marketing and just a sharing of a lot of ideas. So that's basically it in a nutshell. So how do you see a group like Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency helping to change the game of benefits in general? Well, I think it's huge, and I'm, you know, I'll say Dawn Butterfield's a good friend of mine, and uh, I've been, you know, on y'all's podcast with Monique and and Dawn and Cindy Reed, and I think Nathan at the time, mm-hmm. uh, and I probably left somebody off, but I think we shared this in the fall, and it's something Dawn and I've been talking about for a long time, and hopefully it'll come to fruition this time. Uh, is we understand how health plans work. The pharmacists generally they know how they're, for lack of a better term, getting screwed by the PBM. Mm-hmm. We know how to build plans that honor them, that treat them fairly, that allow them to be part of the local care team, the doctor, the, the pharmacist, the, the um, hospital, anyone in that local level taking care of patients with all the counterproductive barriers that block them from doing that. We design plans where we uh, – where we, charge the employees less out of pocket, a lower copay by 15 or $20 to go to a community or independent pharmacist. They can still go to all the other cartel pharmacies, and am I allowed to talk like that here? Yep. Uh, <laughs> CVS, Walgreens, Rite Aid, but they're going to pay 15 to $20 for each tier of drug they go. They vote with their wallet, they go to the community pharmacist or the grocery store. We have to have a couple extras in the network for that. And so we build it that way. So that's how we drive the traffic. We can also take care of the community pharmacist by also interacting with them and have them interact with our members on the health plan at that employer. So the, the problem that I think the pharmacists have is if they go out and they see somebody or they go talk to an employer, I mean, these are usually – pretty significant people in their communities, Mm -hmm. just like some of the physicians. They're respected. And when I was a kid, we knew the community pharmacists. You know, that that world's changes, obviously, while we're here, hopefully, to change it and take it back. Take it back to Marcus Welby, MD days, as I say, neighbors taking care of neighbors. But we, if we can, what, what would happen to them is if they would go out and tell the story to an employer, who they knew, somebody in the C-suite, that employer then picks the phone up and calls their broker, insurance broker. Don't call me a broker. I'm an advisor. Don't ever use that because <laughs> this microphone will end up somewhere you don't want it yeah. to. to. Um, but anyway, um, they would go out and meet. They call the broker, and, and the broker says, you, you don't want to do that because the broker don't want to work. They're generally lazy, and they're, they're generally getting paid pretty well, and they're pretty lazy. And so that employer goes, hey, you know, we appreciate it, Don, but now nah, we're not doing it. And that's it. And they're back to answering 400 emails that happened in between the time Dawn came and left. That's the problem they have. So what we have tried to teach them, and we've done this with direct primary care doctors, if you've heard of DPC, mm-hmm. we've done the same thing. Actually, two rooms over for the DPC Nuts and Bolts in 2019 in November, teaching the DPC docs how to acquire clients. So part of the talk tomorrow, the second part, uh, I don't know what I'm going to talk about the first part, but the second part before we wrap up is about how they can acquire clients. They need to partner with benefit advisors. We know how to build the plans, but they need to have us with them because we can win together. But if if it's back to that employer calling their current broker, deal's done. Yeah, it's status and, and and actually, Dave, earlier I met from uh, Illinois Save More, I believe, um, was Save More is his name of his pharmacies. He 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 said exactly that. That's what he has had happen to him. He's won some. 
smaller, you know, 20 person companies, which is great. And they're getting the business, but he's been torpedoed by that broker who he didn't know. And I think if we can go match these, these pharmacists and try a pilot and match them with these certain mitigate partners in these different areas. And also the Health Rosetta is a big organization behind us. It's 230 advisors that 70% of us are members of, of yeah. Mitigate. Marry the map, marry those advisors with a, with a, a, a it doesn't have to, I mean, like it to be a PUT member, but with a community pharmacist there and go in the community together. Because yep. another thing is, and this is not a knock, most of the pharmacies are not salespeople. Yep. They take care of patients and that's their job. It's like my dad was an OBGYN for 48 years. He wasn't a salesperson. He wasn't going to go out. That wasn't his job. So we can help them do their job and eliminate all the crap they have to deal with. And we have done that. And it's it's just a social proof. We've done it at, at, at several clients. Carl, we're glad you're here because that is um, part of the bigger picture because we can't just focus just on the pharmacy benefit because we know that our communities and our patients need more. And I'm I'm glad you're part of this. This is very important, so thank you. Yeah, uh, well, you're welcome. One last comment, and that's kind of my famous words one, one, on my tombstone. I was going to say one, <laughs> one last thing. Um, it's about, and I can't say it more vividly, and this is something we've been saying, and, I've, and now I'm seeing people talk about it, is getting the money off Wall Street back to Main Street. It's taking care of these local business owners. You do business at a CVS or a Walgreens, there's no local owner. That's going to Certainly. New York. I mean, to Wall Street. And that's what we need to do. And the other thing is these pharmacists can actually take care of people. They can actually give care guidance. And that doesn't exist in that CVS. My, I went to a CVS. I'm telling, don't tell anybody. But I, I, I haven't shopped in CVS in about four years. No, that's not true. 19, I was down here in Orlando, and, and I had to get some zinc, and I couldn't find a community pharmacy. <laughs> so I was worried I was going to get caught on camera, and they were going to come kill me for you know coming in there. But, but, but long story short, um, I, I think that if we can do this correctly, we can take care of these, and we can keep that money local. It'll make all the difference in the world. And when they're allowed to take care of patients, like I was going with that CVS when I went with my daughter there, I started asking questions. I'm a diabetic. Can we get counseling? Can I do any? And I'm not diabetic, but I was asking. Well, they have no HIPAA-compliant area to do that, and a lot of the community yeah. pharmacies can. So when you look at great pharmacists like Hugh Chancy, what he's doing in Valdosta, um, and with an innovative employer, Langdale Company, if the, the Langdale employee is a diabetic, if they will come into the community pharmacy once a month for diabetic education, they get their test strips for free, they get the insulin for free, they synchronize their meds, all there in a bag. Now you got a compliant patient who's not going to end up in the ER, who's not going to end up as an inpatient admit. And all along it goes aground. I've always said, are you a Seinfeld fan, Todd? Yes. All right, you remember the Do the Opposite episode? Yes. <laughs> okay, so George would always tell people, what can George Costanza teach us about healthcare? Do the opposite. <laughs> That's right. So when the broker tells you something, always do the opposite of what they say. But the other thing is people want to charge them for the diabetic test strips. Well, most Americans don't have $500 in their checking account. They're not going to buy the test strips. Give it to them for free. Make them sit there. And as they'll do that, your plan will save gazillions of dollars because the diabetics are 10% of every population, if not higher in some. That right there saves you. And now you got a happy employee mm -hmm. who can take care of themselves. 
So it's those kind of things that are that are, need to be done, and, and that's the kind of things we're doing. We're looking forward to learning more from you and appreciate your insights, and I'm glad that you're here, Carl. Yeah, Thank I'm you. sorry I was so calm. I apologize <laughs> for that. That's all right. Hey, we are here with Nathan Gabhart. He's the founder of True Scripts. He's not new to the Pharmacy Podcast Nation. You've been here before, Nathan. We very much appreciated your insights um, in participating on the podcast and the PBM Reform Podcast Series. We're here at PUT 2021, the annual summit. Welcome, Nathan. How are you? I'm doing great, Todd. Thanks for having me. So why is True Scripts a PBM supporting Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency? You know, that was our philosophical mission back when I was a pharmacy owner. Uh, we were sick and tired of what the PBMs were doing. And, uh, you know, we started our first PBM back in 2006, and, um, and, and that worked out really well. And uh, I wanted to take it to an even higher level. Uh, I felt PBMs that were owned by pharmacies just had an inherent conflict of interest. So I spun off in 2013 and created a PBM only. Um, PBM and uh, no pharmacy ownerships whatsoever and again we're on a philosophical mission um, so the reason we're here is that uh, you know, Scott uh, had reached out he had heard a podcast and uh, then we did a podcast with him and Monique and then um, they were obviously impressed enough to invite us here and uh, we feel honored really to be uh, the only PBM invited to the uh, conference to talk about PBM abuse so uh, we're, we're very honored to be here. Well, I think the way that you're doing it is very true-hearted, and that is someone who ran a pharmacy, owned a pharmacy, saw the impact that your community pharmacy had on your community and the people that you really cared about, family, friends, and then in order doing it the right way, you didn't stay owner in the capacity of owner slash now starting a PBM. You separated it fiduciary, transparent, it's almost like you could write the book to hand off to Congress or hand off to Senate, the Senate and say, here's how PBM should be ran. You know, that's true. We work on a lot of legislation in Indiana, and uh, I'll never forget the last legislative session. It was Senate Bill 241, which was a PBM bill, but it was written uh, awful. Uh, it, was, it was not going to be a good bill for, for pharmacies or PBMs, or more importantly, the patient. Mm -hmm. And uh, the Chamber of Commerce was testifying, and they basically their stance was, hey, we are neutral on this bill. However, do whatever TrueScript says. And I was kind of zoning out a little bit and then when i heard that the entire room turned turned to us and that's when i realized the the true impact we were having in the marketplace and it really just goes back to our to our to who we are um you know i grew up in a very poor family uh, five kids single parent welfare and I, I know what it feels like to be broke literally and as a pharmacy uh, owner and as, as a retail pharmacist, uh, we've all seen those patients who can't afford their medications and breaking down uh, in tears. And it's just heart-wrenching. Mm -hmm. And we decided we were gonna do something about it. So we are truly in this for a philosophical mission. Um, all of our contracts with our clients, are it's a 60-day out for, for any reason. They can fire us. Uh, yet after 15 years, we have a 97% client retention rate we process millions of claims. We return uh, all those mail order claims that we take over for a client are all returned to the retail side now. Um, we have customized networks. Um, so we really want all sides to put all the cards on the table. 
Um, we keep hearing about pharmacies acquisition costs and that they need to be paid above acquisition costs. Well, what is that cost? And do, do pharmacies really want PBMs and, and employers to know what their net acquisition cost is? Because then we sort of turn into a socialistic um, entity where we're determining your reimbursement. And do you really want that? Mm -hmm. um, so let's have a lev level playing field. Uh, let's break up these, these monopolies. Uh, PBMs should not own pharmacies, Right. period. Absolutely. So I know how your primary focus is assuring the health of the patient, and that should be every PBM's focus, goodness gracious. And it's not. We know it's not. It's about the profits of these publicly traded organizations that make up, what, 78% of all the prescriptions are processed through one of those three. And champions like TrueScripts and AppRx and CapitalRx, you're out there really fighting for this new model. So your primary customer is covering the, the benefit, covering the life, covering, but your secondary and your tertiary is the pharmacist, the pharmacy owner, and even the community that you're serving. How are you working with community pharmacies? So we're working with community pharmacies in a number of ways. And, and you mentioned APRO, um, probably back in 2010, um, Ken or Kyle Fields, I forget which one, that one, this, uh, the pharmacist, reached out to me when I was president of the Indiana Pharmacist Alliance and said, hey, what are you guys doing and how are you doing and on your PBM side? So we met in Indianapolis. I told him the vendors we use and kind of the, the template on, on what we put together. And it's just great to see his organization up and going because we're the market is so large, we're not competitors, mm -hmm. and um, we want to expose. So as far as community independent pharmacies, basically here, here's a number of different th things that we do. One, obviously I've owned and operated in pharmacies for a number of years. I've been in pharmacy since 1989, so for, for two thirds of my entire life I've been in pharmacy. So we want fair reimbursements for our, for our employers. We work for our employers um, and their members. The employers are the ones footing the bill uh, at the end of the day, and they're going broke. Uh, if the employers go broke, we are all done. Yep. So what we want to do is we want to make sure we have fair reimbursements. In our current marketplace, those 78% of all prescriptions, typically the employers being billed a higher cost, uh, the pharmacies being paid a lower cost, and the PBMs keeping the difference. Ne step number one, we've got to eliminate that. So it's really a, a beautiful process when we can take one of those traditional PBMs, put it into our model, Instead of the employer paying 50 and the pharmacy getting paid 10, now perhaps it's 20 on both sides. Yep. So now the employer's paying less, the pharmacy's getting more. And also creating customized networks, especially with our municipalities. I'm a county commissioner, I'm in my seventh year and uh, in Indiana, and basically we're the executive branch at the county level, where there's about 3,100 counties in the in the country and probably about 10,000 municipalities. And if you look at school systems, there's probably maybe 15,000. Hmm. The point of all that is there's a lot of local entities in every community, uh, your city, your county, and your school system. Is, uh, the, it's so important for the community pharmacies to know the impact and the credibility they have. So when we set up entities like that, one thing we like to do is create a shop local network. And by not owning any pharmacies, we're agnostic but we know the impact shop local has on local economies. And plus the impact of the quality that independent pharmacies have over chains. Mm -hmm. We're just better. And when chain pharmacies come to independence, they practice better in our setting. So creating 
uh, specialized networks, and I call it CVSing CVS, mm -hmm. because back in my the days when I was in the pharmacy world, we had a maintenance choice program that was jammed down our throat, which meant our patients could use our pharmacy twice, then they had to go to CVS. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we flipped that. Where 90 days may be only through community pharmacies, or they may be lower copays. At the end of the day, we run the analytics. We see what the appetite is to the employer because the lower the copay, the more the employer pays. Mm -hmm. Okay, because it's fifth grade math. So we want to drive business back to the independent pharmacies, but the independent pharmacies need to realize too that they that they need to have some competitive skin in the game. I've negotiated pharmacy wholesale contracts for 12 years of my career. And uh, you know, I know about the rebates, the WAC minuses, so invoice costs, acquisition costs, you know, let's be honest with each other here. Yeah. And we need to have a fair reimbursement for the value that pharmacies bring. So uh, one, just making a fair a level playing field. And then I think pharmacies at the end of the day, if the playing field is level, uh, community pharmacies are going to thrive. Nathan, I'm excited that you got to be part of this. You've come back to the publication. We do want to have you back again to really dig into some of the pricing strategies that you counsel with pharmacists. As a pharmacy owner, you have insights that some of the other uh, you know, business um, experts don't. Uh, some of the people that are trying to help, uh, they don't have that depth because as a pharmacy owner, you really know things from the inside out. And that's, that's part of True Script's uh, fiber. And I want to give a shout out to Allie too. Uh, yeah, Allie, she's the best. She's the she's the spark plug that that keeps us going. And, and, and Dean Murder and uh, you know Dave Parker, we just have such an amazing team, and we just all all want to provide amazing care, and we want to be the best, uh, not the biggest. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Hey, we're here with Lauren Young, pharmacy owner here at the Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency event, the annual summit. We're wrapping up, Lauren. What an amazing event. I really got a lot out of this, and I can't wait to take time to kind of break down some of what we've learned and really um, expand some of the ideas that we've come out with. We are so excited for everyone that was able to join us either in person or virtually this year, and our sponsors were incredible. They really stepped up, and I think that all of the panels that we had were very informative, and we really wanted to focus this year on taking some of the successes that we've had over the last year and then also focusing on relocalizing healthcare. The legislators that were here were amazing. The, the participation and the insights that they brought to the table specific to their states. But what's interesting, Lauren, is we can collect victories in different states and really combine these things and then be able to expand putts, not only reach to the pharmacist associations and some of the state associations, but really replicating the, um, the victories in, um, in Ohio, in Arkansas, in Pennsylvania, in California. So tell us a little bit about your background as a pharmacy owner and, and what state that you're, uh, you're in right now. Tell us a little bit about what the state's doing as well um, through PUT initiatives. So in Illinois, I live in central Illinois, my family owns three pharmacies right in the very middle of the state. And there is a coalition of PUT members and pharmacy owners in Illinois that are working together. We had a bill that was proposed in early 2021 that unfortunately didn't get to the end line yet, but we're still working. It is still a bill that we really believe in and hopefully we're going to be able to get through and get some changes in our Medicaid managed care system in Illinois. Excellent. Hey, I want to give a shout out to JLG Law Firm. 
Smartfill, TrueScripts, American Pharmacies, Pharmacana, and the Minnesota Independent Pharmacy Association. You were absolutely wonderful. You helped to actually get this summit off the ground by being um, sponsors. What other uh, organizations, Lauren, would you like to give a shout out to? And maybe we can even do follow-up shows with them. I know that Trevor Dare from Granite Peak Consulting was a really great resource for some of our owners to connect with. And mm-hmm. then obviously a lot of the state associations that were here too, with yep. LIPA and the CPHA. California pharmacists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well, we're going to be working with CPHA in the in the future. So, I mean, largest pharmacy association in the country. So that's an important one to have. <laughs> Absolutely. And Mindy's, which was started by a PUT board member, Deb Keveny, really started as a way to get a call to action to local owners. And she has over 100 members and it was started since the last summit in Austin. And so it was a Google group email chain that really has a way of getting pharmacists interested and activated. A lot of them are actually working with the FTC on different claims and getting evidence-based and with their Department of Commerce in Minnesota. It's a great story. I like to hear that. And I want to do, I do want to give a shout out to Monique and to Shannon for an amazing job that they did in putting this conference together. I also want to say something to the PUT members. If you're listening to this right now, we want you to forward this um, pre-show to five other pharmacy owners who aren't members of PUT, so that you understand how pharmacy owners, when you're listening to this, it's the collective that are empowering us to make national changes, and these changes are working. So, I mean, this has been a 10, 11-year coming. Um, PPN is almost as old, a little bit older than um, what PUT is, but it it's the consistency that makes the changes. It's not the flash in the pan. It's the mar- This is a marathon. Mm-hmm. And the passion that our members have for PUT and really getting change into their states is amazing. And we want to work with any type of organization, as we mentioned, the state associations, the national organizations. We just want to make sure our members feel heard and they get the truth out there. Well, Pharmacy Podcast Network is signing up for our uh, second tour of duty as being your uh, media uh, partner. So we're excited about this. And we can't wait to hear more from you, uh, Lauren, on the PBM Reform Podcast Series as well as the podcast. So thank you. Thanks for having me.